Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. President Trump was sent here to smash conventional norms. In a sense, Bernie Sanders has already won. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. From the Palmetto State, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, broadcasting live from Charleston, South Carolina. It's beautiful down here, even when it's raining. I'm telling you, we all did something wrong. We all should have packed up and moved to Charleston. We've got a great show today full of political insiders and analysts, and they're going to walk us through a preview of tomorrow's Democratic presidential debate ahead of Saturday's South Carolina contest it's a firewall folks for former vice president joe biden and bernie sanders appears poised to be on the cusp the cusp of clinching the democratic nomination even if he doesn't get the 1991 delegates that are needed and president trump in india president trump in india and a massive rally bigger than any truthfully any crowd i've ever seen really gather for the president a massive outdoor stadium packed with Indians to hear the president and Prime Minister Modi speak. So we'll dive into the trade deals of all around the world and the latest on the political fronts. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent from Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And I am here in Charleston. And I got to be honest, I'm having a great day, even though I had to fly out of Dulles to get here. But it's raining a little bit here. But it's beautiful. If you've never been to Charleston, South Carolina, you're doing something wrong. The reason we're here is not because I'm on vacation, folks, but because tomorrow is the Democratic presidential debate. And it's going to be if <laughs> if Las Vegas was any indication tomorrow night's debate, debate I didn't want to miss that for anything. So we're going to have complete coverage of that. And let's kick things off with that, just especially as Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent senator who caucuses with Democrats. He's technically a Democrat now. He won the Nevada caucus handedly, decisively. It wasn't even close on Saturday. And thankfully, between us, there wasn't any security debacles like there was in um, Iowa. Brendan Buck's here in Washington, D.C., rather, at our Bloomberg Washington, D.C. bureau. He's the former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he's a partner at Seven Letter, uh, a firm in Washington, D.C. And Atiba Medyun is also in Washington, D.C. He is the founder and president of Party Politics U.S., and he is the president and founder of the 
Madhyun Group consulting firm. You can see all of his uh, writings and columns on places like the Huffington Post. And Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics Editor, my good friend, Anna Edgerton. Anna, let's, let's, let's begin with Bernie. I mean, he really is on the cusp of, of winning this thing. That's right. And at this point, it looks like it's all about momentum. And Bernie is definitely the person who has it. So, you know, as we go into South Carolina, that's obviously a very crucial state for former Vice President Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders still expects to do pretty well there. But when we go into the Super Tuesday states, Super Tuesday being March 3rd, it's going to be just kind of a free-for-all to see who can collect the most delegates. And right now, Bernie Sanders has a really strong grassroots organization in those states, has really strong support, has the finances to keep going and spread himself out throughout all of those states. So he has the momentum, he has the resources, he has the kind of network on the ground. So it's going to be really hard for anyone to catch up with him, especially if he emerges from um, South Carolina not too far behind Joe Biden and emerges from Super Tuesday with a pretty hefty delegate lead. Brendan, if, thanks, Hannah, for that. I mean, if from the Biden campaign, this is a must-win here in South Carolina. They're really banking on the support of the African-American community, but they've got to win this. And if not, I mean, I guess they, they're neck and neck in some Super Tuesday states, but it would be a devastating upset if Biden didn't win here in South Carolina. Yeah, and, and you know, expectations are, are high for him, and he's basically been the one setting that. You know, he's been saying for, for months now that, you know, the first two states aren't reflective of the demographics of the party, uh, which is true in Iowa and New Hampshire. But then you go to a state like Nevada where you actually do have a more uh, diverse uh, population, and uh, Sanders ran away with it again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Joe Biden certainly has to win here. But I think even if he does win, I don't really know how he can carry forward. Uh, he doesn't have the money. He doesn't have any real ground game to speak of in all the rest of these states. I mean, I, I hate to you know say it's over, but it feels like it's pretty much over. I think this is now a Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump 2020 election. It feels that way, Atiba. And let me ask you this. If, if, Bur- if Senator Sanders... See, I'm trying to correct myself from calling him just Bernie. If Senator Sanders doesn't get 1991 in the delegates, Atiba, what number of delegates, which is the threshold that you need in order to technically clinch the Democratic nomination according to the DNC rules, what number of delegates, Atiba, do you think that he needs to get in order to be able to say to the competitors, hey, this thing's locked away? I think that would probably have to be somewhere closer to 1,700 Seventeen hundred, um, but I think that Bernie's b- building the momentum right at the right time. I agree. And if you look at the last debate, I think if there's anyone else that seems to be able to—I don't want to say counter, but go at him—will probably be um, Warren. Um, but she's faded at this point. And I think um, I think that Bernie right now is the one, is the person to look for. And I, th- I don't think that it's going to be as contested as people think. I think South Carolina is going to tell us a lot. Atiba, you're an insider. You talk to all of the various different campaigns and, and you know this better than any, than the, well, I'm hoping you know the answer to this question better than anybody. Are you anticipating any calls for significant dropouts before Super Tuesday? <laughs> I think that, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think Such a are, sinister laugh, Atiba. I think there are a number of people who would like to see it down to about three or four going yeah, into Super Tuesday. Um, because right now, all of this is it, it, it plays into the hands of, uh, I think, Bernie Sanders. You know, there's this division. But what we saw come out of Nevada is a young electorate that is fired up, fired up, ready to go. 
and they're energized and they are I think they're excited to see that Bernie has has made it to where he is now because I mean just a few months ago when he had the heart attack a lot of people weren't thinking that he was going to be where he is now and he has had staying power he's still here and I think he's really the, the the person to be looking at and I might say something a little controversial right now and and so I've been I was thinking about this when I was walking over here how do I get this point across without but if based upon my reporting, Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg News politics editor, the only people who are saying that the party doesn't want Bernie are actually no one, not anyone at the DNC, according to my reporting. And, and nor is it anyone. It, it's the campaign officials of all the other campaigns. They're pushing this narrative that no one could unite behind Bernie. When in reality, I don't hear that from DNC officials. Do you? Well, that's a very tricky thing for DNC officials to say out loud, especially given the history with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. They are making every effort possible to make sure that they do not appear biased against Bernie Sanders. Where I've heard it is from moderate Democrats in Congress. You know, Elaine Loria, for example, a congresswoman from Virginia, from Virginia Beach, she was kind of on a tweet storm today against Bernie Sanders, saying that she. She didn't appreciate his comments about AIPAC, the um, Israeli, uh, the pro-Israeli right. lobby. She didn't appreciate his comments about Cuba and Cuba's education system. She tweeted a picture of herself voting early for Joe Biden. Now she has come out and endorsed Joe Biden, I believe. So you know we know who she supports, but she was very clearly coming out strongly against Bernie Sanders. You. Most likely trying to put distance between herself and Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Socialist. She's running in a state and district that she took from a Republican in 2018. And she has to make sure that she paints herself as an independent, moderate voice who's going to speak for her district and not be wedded to any kind of socialist agenda or perceptions of what that might include. I want to talk more about that coming up because I got some follow ups on whether or not it's just the other campaign. I mean, because the Bernie supporters could say. The exact same thing to the Democratic establishment that they don't want the they don't want the moderate coming up much more from the Palmetto State. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. It's not make or break. It all depends upon how uh, it comes out. It could be. It doesn't have to be. I think make or break was probably the following Tuesday, Super Tuesday. That was Congressman James Clyburn. He is a Democrat from South Carolina. He's backed Joe Biden, the former vice president. Uh, and he was speaking to ABC's George Stephanopoulos over the weekend on This Week on the Sunday show about whether or not South Carolina is a make or break uh about whether or not is a make or break moment uh, for Joe Biden. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm so excited to cover tomorrow night's Democratic presidential debate. And you can tune in right here on 99.1 tomorrow for full coverage of the debate. And that starts at 7.30 p.m. We're going to be in the spin room floor uh, like we always are. And it's <laughs> that Vegas debate. I'm still still coming out of that. Uh, we've got an all-star panel here to help us. Again, we're going to dive into policy coming up, but I want to stick with the debate of the Democratic dynamics for just a little bit longer. Anna Edgerton is a Bloomberg politics editor in D.C. Atiba Madhyun is founder and president of Party Politics U.S. and the president and founder of the Madhyun Group consulting firm in Washington. And Brendan Buck, 
uh, a good friend of the program. He's the former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan and a partner at Seven Letter. Atiba, I want to come back to you where we left things off. Uh, and, and essentially, it, it, so much of the, the narrative concocted in the mainstream press is that moderate Democrats, moderate establishment Democrats do not want to see Sanders run away with this thing. However, the shoe fi- I mean, the shoe also and I'm, I'm fumbling my metaphors, but you could flip that and say the same thing that the Sanders camp doesn't want to see a moderate Democrat run away with it. And so I, I wonder if almost the arguments canceled each other out. <laughs> Every time you ask me a question, I find myself kind of laughing. Yeah, I know. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not an evil laugh. It's just I think it's, it just goes to show. Um, Famous last words what a before lot of, an evil laugh. <laughs> a lot of people aren't talking about the dysfunction within the Democratic Party. And I think the dysfunction has to do with a meeting, a crossroads. We've got older candidates who I think we've got more 70-year-old candidates in this race than we've seen in prior years. We have a younger electorate that has come forth that's upset about a number of issues, whether or not it's um, gun control and an inability to get any legislation passed there that feel that college education is out of reach because it's too expensive, that are seeing the brunt of health care insurance, and they also have come into the workforce after the recession that we had in 2008. So there are a number of, I think, things that are at play here that create this unbalanced political spectrum, whether or not it's progressives or this socialist idea. I think that overall it's all playing out to create more divisions, but I don't know what this is going to end up being. I don't know how this is going to end up looking. I don't think any of us do. I think all of us are taking guesses as to what this is going to look like come July when we get to the Democratic Convention. But see, respectfully, I would say that we kind of know what it's going to look like, that Sanders is likely going to have the most delegates. He's likely not going to get 1991. And there's going to be this conversation about whether or not he has enough delegates to clinch the nomination. And I think what's been remarkable is just how similar this is, Brendan Buck, to last cycle. You know, I was home. Well, let me let me just let's go there first. I mean, you having been on the inside of former Speaker Paul Ryan uh, for a, a long time, you remember vividly the fight of last cycle in 2016. When just as uh, then candidate Donald Trump was getting ready to walk away with the nomination, there was the same <laughs> exact debate that we're have that the left is having now uh, on the right about whether or not the RNC could ever back someone like Trump. It would be devastating for down ballot races, and he would never win, and the whole party would be over. And it and really it was well, no, the voters are voting, and this is what they want. Democrats are voting, and as of now, they want Bernie Sanders, Brendan. Yeah, a few things there. Certainly, this does feel extremely familiar. I remember calling Paul, uh, former speaker, and saying, uh, Donald Trump just won Indiana. Ted Cruz uh, threw in the towel. It's over. And he didn't quite process it. He's like, yeah, well, we'll get to the convention, and we'll see. I was like, no, no, I don't think you understand. It's over. (laughs) It's over. That's such a great story. Because that call is going to be – on repeat, Brendan, for many Democrats coming up on Tuesday night, next Wednesday morning, the morning after Super Tuesday. Go ahead. But here's the thing. Like, I I don't necessarily buy the idea that 
that there, a lot of other candidates are trying to spin that that Bernie Trump or Bernie Sanders can't win. I think he can he can definitely win. Um, I do think there is going to be significant down ballot consequences to him being at the top of the ticket. Um, you know, the places that we got beat in 2018 were all of these suburbs, these affluent areas where they may not like Donald Trump style politics. He may be too much to stomach, but I also don't know that they can stomach a socialist. I mean, we're not just throwing out names here. He calls himself that. And it's going to be very hard for a lot of these moderate swing state Democrats to be able to distance themselves from someone who is embracing the term socialist. So I do think that there will be significant downturn uh, or down ballot effects to, to him being in the top. But that's not to say that he can't win. And in the states that matter, that we know are going to determine the outcome of the election, we've seen head-to-head polling. He's actually beating Donald Trump in a lot of these polls. So there's a very real chance that Bernie Sanders is the next president. Let's take a listen, Anna Edgerton, to Senator Bernie Sanders talking in Austin, Texas, a state where he's polling neck and neck with Biden in a Super Tuesday contest uh, where he was at a rally over the weekend. Here he is. Together, we're not only going to win here in Texas on Super Tuesday, we're going to beat Trump in November. I mean, you hear that from Senator Bernie Sanders over the weekend, and I just keep going back to what Brendan just laid out for us, that call that he made to former Speaker Paul Ryan after Wisconsin and Indiana. And I'm curious if there are communications directors right now in Speaker Pelosi's office who are going to have to be making that same call that a self-described Democratic Socialist is about to become the nominee of the Democratic Party. Well, going back to Brendan's example from 2016, you know, Republicans did very well in um, in 2016 with Trump at the top of the ticket. You know, they did. Yeah, Republicans you know won the House and the Senate, and you know had a united government going into Trump's first term. Um, we got like 20 seconds left in. Yeah, where they, where they suffered was in, in 2018 in the middle of Trump's first term, which you know usually incumbent presidents have have a tough midterm election their first term. So you know we'll see if we have President Bernie Sanders. How how that affects the candidates running with him and then the following midterm when they have to come back and ask for re-election. Remarkable. Remarkable. I don't want to count anybody out yet, but what a remarkable uh, mood for the Democratic Party. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Much more coming up next. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. We're just not talking about politics and talk about coronavirus. I've sat in the situation room about the coronavirus, had briefings in the Oval Office. I was part of with the president. Nobody has mentioned 
the impact on the stock market and the impact on the elections. It just is nowhere I've been. Um, it's not appropriate. This is a public health emergency. It is a pandemic. That was special counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, speaking earlier today with regards to the coronavirus. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And we are going to have I'm here in Charleston, South Carolina. And just a reminder, tune in right here tomorrow night on 99.1 FM for full coverage of the Democratic presidential debate at 730 p.m. here in Charleston. It's going to be a doozy. I mean, I'm anticipating it's going to be a doozy based on how Vegas went. But uh, we were talking earlier about the debate, but I I want to pivot now and talk about the coronavirus. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal. U.S. stocks cratered, exacerbating a global sell-off as authorities confronted the increasing likelihood of a worldwide coronavirus pandemic. The S&P 500 dropped 3.4%. The Dow lost more than 1,000 points and Treasuries jumped. Uh, So the markets are... The markets have been volatile, as we've been talking about on this program, for quite some time, ever since China's botched handling, according to some experts, of the coronavirus. Uh, Brendan Buck's here. He's in Washington, D.C., rather. He's the former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan. Atiba Madhun is also in Washington, D.C., founder and president of Party Politics U.S., and Anna Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics editor as well. Anna you hear Kelly and Conway, as we just did, talking about uh, how the White House is responding to the coronavirus. There were some headlines and reports over the weekend that Congress is going to allocate about a billion dollars, I believe, to help with the resources as it relates to the coronavirus. What are we hearing in terms of the relationship with how China is working with not just the United States, but around the world for their handling of this. Yeah, I think we will see more travel restrictions and you know supply chain disruptions. So that seems to be what was behind a lot of the market reaction today. It's going to be a busy week on the Hill, uh, coronavirus-wise. We are going to have um, Alex Azar, the um, Secretary of Health and Human Services, on the Hill three times, technically to talk about budget issues, but we'll certainly get questions about coronavirus. And then there are two hearings specifically on the coronavirus. So we expect to hear more from administration. The House or the Senate, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but that's sure. just good intel. Yeah, and both. Um, uh, I believe it's a Senate subcommittee and um, the House Foreign Affairs Committee for the coronavirus hearing. So I find this interesting, Brendan Buck, and you know the committee structure up there better than anyone. For the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to, to have a hearing on the coronavirus, it insinuates that right now, the parameters of the discussion right now is, in a sense, skepticism over China's reaction and, and bipartisan agreement from the left and the right over Xi Jinping's response globally to the coronavirus and what the United States can do to get China to accept international support as well as international aid. Yeah, I mean, Congress is typically, for as dysfunctional as it can be, is typically taken this kind of stuff pretty seriously and gotten its act together. In fact, uh, you all recall the Zika virus. Um, Zika was the motivation for the single appropriations bill that we I were mean, able to— we recall to... it. None of us had it, just for, <laughs> to right. clarify. Go but ahead. I don't know exactly what the span was, but we didn't pass a single appropriations bill on time. Um, by itself in like six years or something. The one wow. that we were able to get done was because it had Zika money on it. Wow. Um, that, that's what it motivates people. It gets people um, 
uh, acting together. I mean, from a political perspective, though, I mean, I think the president understands and his team understands they can't let hysteria run wild on this. And they need to make sure that they're demonstrating that they're on top of this. They don't want uh, certainly what happened today in the markets is, is not good for his reelection chances. Um, but you, you know how these things can sort of spread. Um, and we know how they spread. You look what happened a few years back with Ebola. Um, it was right. in fact it was Donald Trump who was out there <laughs> cheerleading the the how, how scary this could be uh, on his Twitter back then. I, I actually think the fact that he's president right now is one of the reasons why there isn't more hysteria about it because he is incentivized not to have any hysteria. Wall Street Journal headline in the last hour: Drug maker Moderna delivers first experimental coronavirus vaccine for human testing. Meanwhile, the New York Times headline from this afternoon, as fears of a pandemic mount, the World Health Organization says the world is not ready. Uh, I was speaking to a source on Wall Street just when this first all developed uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was actually the weekend of the Alfalfa Club dinner. uh, And this source who works and advises uh, hedge fund companies said this is such a global blind spot for the world. And we're seeing it play out in terms of a market reaction for there to be a pandemic. And I was struck by this when we heard from Kellyanne earlier today, because on the one hand, she's saying that they're not treating it like a market uh, story. And she's not, I mean, no one, no one on the left or the right would say that they can, but she was by taking that tone, Atiba was calming markets because clearly the administration recognizes the risk that this poses from a from a natural disaster standpoint, but also from an economic standpoint. And it it is it does have the attention of the world. But how do you think Democrats in particular will characterize this Atiba for the president? Will they go after China or will they go after President Trump or maybe a little bit of both? Personally, I hope they don't politicize it because this wow. is this is real. Um, yeah, it is very real. Yesterday, last night, I was flying back from uh, Panama, and to be in the airport for a couple of hours and seeing nurses with, you know, full gear on and passengers with face masks on, or you know, Facebook to you know, I guess you know, it figures out the logarithms where you are, et cetera, you know, to um, uh, put things in my feed about you know getting a mask. You know, these things are right. real. And so I think overall there's a human aspect to this that we really should be looking at and not necessarily looking at how Democrats are going to address this. I think overall it's it's scary when you look at 77,000 cases in China, when you look at people afraid of um, Americans who have been uh, sequestered on ships being um, brought back into the country. It's, it's a very scary thing. I think that the um, administration and Kellyanne Conway in terms of wanting to calm markets and to keep a, a, a calm tone are good things. But I think that there also is should be a sense of urgency in terms of how to address this. And China's um, unwillingness, I guess, from what we're being told to accept aid from from other countries is is, is a big part of this. But um, you know, this is just real. This is very. This is a this is a human human and concern. It, and it hasn't been declared yet as a pandemic. The World Health or, by the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization has called the coronavirus quote public health emergency of international concern, end quote. But it, it, I'm actually going to read a, a comment that the World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said uh, on earlier today, which is, quote, our decision about whether to use the word pandemic to describe an epidemic is based on an ongoing assessment 
of the geographical spread of the virus, the severity of the disease it causes, and the impact it has on the whole society. For the moment, we are not witnessing the uncontained global spread of this virus, and we are not witnessing large-scale severe disease or deaths. But does the virus have pandemic potential? Absolutely. Are we there yet from our assessment? Not yet. That's according to the Director General of the World Health Organization. Uh, Anna, just in the minute that we have left, I mean, in, wh- in what Congress can do, we heard from Brendan attach additional funds. There's reports of a billion dollars. Is there anything else that they can do? Should, will the president likely have to appoint a czar over this? Or what, what are some of the steps Washington could take as we uh, price this out future, or as we plan this out in the future? Yeah, this is something where the executive branch will probably take the lead. You know, you have Health and Human Services, um, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, um, and the executive branch, which will, um, you know, largely set kind of the policy guidelines and the initial response. State Department also getting involved, the yep. CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Um, where Congress can get involved is, like you said, appropriating more funds and making sure that those agencies have the resources they, that they need to execute whatever policies put forward. All right, coming up, panel stays. It's what's on their radar and their quick take. And again, just a reminder, you can tune in right here on Bloomberg 99.1 FM tomorrow for full coverage of the Democratic presidential debate. That starts at 7.30. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm broadcasting here in Charleston, South Carolina for that debate. And you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. When uh, the moment came in the debate in New Hampshire and the moderators asked, uh, does anyone have a problem with having a socialist head up the ticket? I was the only one that raised my hand. That, that was Senator Amy Klobuchar, Democratic presidential candidate, Senator Amy Klobuchar, speaking over the weekend about debating Bernie Sanders. And I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And I'm broadcasting live from Charleston, South Carolina, where tomorrow night there will be that Democratic presidential debate. You can catch that entire debate right here on Bloomberg 99.1 FM tomorrow night for full and complete coverage of the debate. And we're going to kick that off at 7.30 p.m. And of course, I'll have the sound on broadcast from 5 to 6 p.m., where we'll have a preview of that. I just bumped into Richard Fowler on my way over here in downtown Charleston and Democratic strategist, and he was already giving me the preview. He's going to be on tomorrow's show. And they gave me a hush puppy. That's what they do here in Charleston. They just give you free food, I guess, because here I am walking to find the studio, and I I ate a hush puppy. I love this place. Uh, (laughs) It's time now for my – if you give me a hush puppy, I'll – you know. I'm a happy guy. No I'm not Kevin's that heart. hard to please. <laughs> Anne, Anne Edgerton, Bloomberg Politics Editor. She's in Washington, D.C. Brendan Buck, our Republican insider. And Atiba Madiun. Did I, I, I hope I right. got that right. I got, got it right. right. Atiba, I've gotten it right all. And this is your first time on the show, right? It is. How do you like it? It's been great. It has been? All right. Good. It's you better when you're down there and you don't have to be in the same room. Wow, Brendan. <laughs> you see what I put up with every single day from the Bloomberg Radio sound on panel? They rip me. They don't even like me. We you like know, you, Brendan. No, I'm Thank just, you, I'm Anna. Just jealous that you're getting the hush puppies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have really good food down here. Um, anyway, pivot. I was back home in Delco. Speaking of good food over the weekend, I had some great chicken wings and had some good food this weekend. 
pivot again. It's time now for my favorite part of the program, what's on the panel's radar. <laughs> Quick take. And Anna, just because you were kind to me and Brendan, you were not. Brendan, I'm putting you on the spot. You're going first. What is your... <laughs> Quick take, what's on your radar for today? Well, of course it's the debate. Um, I was blown away how at the last debate everybody focused on Michael Bloomberg and nobody focused on the person who was running away with the race. <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. Only Mayor Pete seemed to be aware that uh, Bernie Sanders was building a, a lead that nobody was going to be able to stop. So I, I'm wondering, A, whether I've, I'm expecting, of course, more people will be focusing on Sanders this time around. I'm particularly curious about Elizabeth Warren, uh, who still seems unwilling to go after Bernie Sanders. I don't know why. Maybe it's she wants to you know, protect her standing with him I, I don't, or her, his supporters, um, because we know how uh, enthusiastic they can be. Uh, but I'm just curious to see whether uh, she is also going to turn her fire on him or otherwise people are just basically conceding that he is going to be the nominee. Atiba, weigh in on that point before, I, before we move on from that, because that's a great point. You know, I think to piggyback off of that, the other piece that I'm looking at, um, though, is where the candidates who have left the race, where they're going. Uh, yes, Marianne it, Williamson over the weekend came out for Bernie. You've got Marianne Williamson that's been out there, Julian Castro who's who's been out there. And I do think that it, it, when you look at what's going on, it does seem like these other candidates are jockeying for some type of position and not trying to in terms of um, what Brendan just mentioned with Warren. Um Maybe, you know, I guess, to, to lack a better way of saying this, create any more um, division than, that's already, than what's the already there. The two that come to mind, Atiba, to your point, are Booker and Harris. Mm-hmm. I wonder where they go. So I think um, Kamala, I think that she definitely um, is in play to do something. Um, I think she, she's got a number of things working for her. She, her, her work on the Senate um, Judiciary Committee, as has Booker. But I think she's creates she has a little bit more energy. She's, you know, she's young, she's African-American, and she's a woman. And I think a lot of when we see what happened with 2018, I think there's a lot to be said about women in this race coming up in 2020. Brendan, on the issue of Senator Kamala Harris, the, the lasting memory that people have of her campaign was when she took on Biden in the first Democratic presidential debate. So it would I mean, if you're put on your political strategist cap for a second, if you're Kamala Harris, where can you endorse Joe Biden or can't you? I certainly wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I, I just mean, given the, the trajectory of the race, unless you have some real personal conviction that you think it is so important that you throw yourself out there knowing that it's very likely it's not going to have an impact. Um, you know, I, I mean, look back at uh, Carly Fiorina, you know, pairing yeah. up with Ted Cruz at the end. I mean, what did that do for her? Very little. Um, I, I think I still can't believe that happened. I, I think I think most of those people are smart enough to realize that Bernie Sanders is likely going to be the nominee. Um, I don't think that they want to be any more divided. Uh, they don't want to put themselves in a situation like we were four years ago. We were so divided. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's she's got the potential to be a, potentially a, a VP pick, certainly cabinet material. And so I don't know the, why she would uh, risk all that by making a, you know, a Hail Mary shot uh, by endorsing somebody who she clearly <laughs> already had uh, significant trouble with. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. Brendan and Ativa giving us what their quick take is for what's on their radar Anna, your turn. 
Um, two things, if I could. Um, of course, you're for, an adjutant. You yeah. Can do whatever you first want. of all, the debate. Um, I'm interested in Michael Bloomberg's performance. You know, he definitely needs to do better than he did at the last debate in Nevada. So, you know, wondering what his debate prep looks like today. He not only has to do better. I have to. I'm sorry. He he not only has to do better. He has to completely. I mean, he's got to win on Super Tuesday. His whole campaign said for months that he was going to have to win on Super Tuesday. I mean, you look at the polls, California, Texas. You look at any other, all of these other polls and these largely, I mean, I, it's, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, very big night for him. <laughs> he needs to, you know, prove that he can do more than just put out um, political advertisements. Um, and then the Billboards. other thing that I'm looking forward to this week is Secretary Pompeo testifying on yes. the Hill on Friday. Same. You know, there's, he's had kind of a contentious relationship with even Republican senators. They did not appreciate his the tone that he had in a uh, briefing about Iran in January. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of reception he gets and what kind of message he What's the he subject has. of the hearing? Um, we don't know Specifically, but I'm sure that the ceasefire, uh, nonviolence Taliban. pact with the with the Taliban will come up, and um, also probably um, you know positioning of U.S. troops ar- around the world and kind of how that fits into the State Department's strategic plan. And I'm sure he'll get a question about coronavirus. Yes, absolutely. And that's going to be a, a really interesting hearing to watch. I'll be back in Washington for it. Uh, that's going to be on Friday. Uh, that was what was on my radar. I would like to add one more thing. Go ahead. Of I course. kind of feel like I was piggybacking off of Brendan. No, 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 no. Of course. I didn't know in. if you were, and I didn't want to oh, put yeah, you on no, the spot. I was trying to be polite. Go no, ahead, Atiba. I apologize. I do, you know, on my radar, it's not necessarily political, but I, uh, no, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Catherine Johnson, the NASA mathematician oh. who passed away at 101 years old. and. Yes. Personally, having an aunt who is 100 years old still has her memory, which is amazing. Um, and to think about um, Catherine Johnson in terms of the doors that she opened, um, both as a woman and for people of color, I think was huge, um, particularly with NASA and that whole age of exploration. Um, and so I wanted to, that, that's definitely on my radar. That's a that's awesome. That's better than all of ours. <laughs> yeah, that was literally, I mean, truthfully, that was going to be mine. Um, so that's awesome. And, of course, she was an African-American mathematician whose calculations of the of NASA really was crucial to getting people into space. I mean, it's amazing, her life story and, and her contribution, not just to American society, but also to global society and the advancement of science. It's it's incredible. Um, so I'm that's what was what was mine. But I will say Tom Steyer is also going to be on the debate uh stage tomorrow night and that will be interesting as well i would be remiss if i didn't do our disclaimer michael bloomberg who's seeking the democratic presidential nomination is the founder and majority owner of bloomberg lp the parent company of bloomberg radio and just a friendly reminder that you can listen to the entire democratic presidential debate tomorrow right here on bloomberg 99.1 fm uh, for full coverage of the debate we're going to broadcast from charleston again tomorrow uh, for sound on and we'll kick off our coverage at 7 30 p.m eastern tomorrow as well thank you to the panel i'm kevin cirilli chief washington correspondent for bloomberg television and radio broadcasting from charleston south carolina and you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 your industry is unique it faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart that means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it at the hartford we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.